Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. There are some people who are just impossibly productive. People who seem to find like an extra five hours in the day to do cool projects or excel at their interesting jobs. Maybe you're related to someone like this or follow a friend on social media. Oh, yeah, we we decided to um, hand plaster all of our walls. Talking to Rachel Gregorian of Granville, you get the sense that she is one of those people. She and her husband recently redid all their walls to make their house look more like an old farmhouse. It's a cool mix of just like sand, lime, and water, and cellulose um, to give it kind of texture. We didn't use authentic horse hair. <laughs> oh, and while Rachel was doing this, she was also pregnant. I was dead set on getting the, the walls plastered before the baby came, so during my pregnancy I was pretty busy. We got almost every room done except the bathroom. That's the baby in the background, yeah. <laughs> What's your baby's name? Vera May. Rachel is on maternity leave with Vera May right now, but her normal working life goes something like this. So usually from February through November, I work for a landscape design company doing a lot of the design work and also I'm the project manager on site for a lot of the installations and maintenance projects we do. And then in the winter months, roughly November through March, I do waitressing at Flatbread in town. This is the Flatbread in Waitsfield. And then, typically three times a year, I do modeling shoots for Duluth Trading Company. Duluth Trading Company sells clothes for rugged outdoors people and tradespeople, which Rachel is as a landscape designer. She started her career at a firm in Connecticut, where she's from. Even though it had the job security of having a job and one single job all year round, I really just love having my hands in other things. And so when I moved up to Vermont, landscape design work was really seasonal up here. So she picked up some waitressing work in the winters. To kind of offset the seasonality. Rachel's husband also works in the trades, and neither of them gets benefits. They manage their own health insurance. You know, retirement fund is on us if we want to do it. But despite all this, Rachel says they live comfortably and within their means. She's able to put all her modeling wages aside for family trips or home repairs. And she says at this point, she doesn't actually need to work three jobs. She wants to. It's enjoyable to me to mix things up throughout the year. She likes being social and being outside and just having something to do. Yeah, I just I have a hard time sitting still and just hanging out. In Vermont, you can either live very simply, but it is expensive to live here, especially in the Mad River Valley, 
So money definitely does play a part in it, but I could also just, I guess I could try harder for a job that would pay what I needed to, but I, I enjoy the variety, so I'm kind of content with where I am. A portrait of satisfied industriousness. If only it were so for all the Vermonters hustling with multiple jobs. This month on the podcast, we hear some of their stories. Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Every month on this show, we take on a question about Vermont that's been submitted and voted on by you, our audience. This month, I'm Susan Boston from Woodstock, Vermont. Why do so many Vermonters have three jobs? What kind of jobs are they working at, and how do they make it work? The three jobs phenomenon is so widespread that there's a joke about it. What do you call a Vermonter with two jobs? Lazy. Get it? We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund and special guest reporting this month by Erica Heilman of the excellent podcast Rumble Strip. Welcome. Several years ago, I ended up having three jobs. Our question asker Susan was curious about folks with three jobs because she can relate. One was church secretary. Another was bookkeeper for the Woodstock Historical Society. And then the next one was HR director, office manager for a startup. And I had friends who teased me. So how many jobs do you have today, Susan? And then I found out that I wasn't the only person in Vermont that had three jobs. There are a lot of people. It was an eye-opening experience for Susan. She says in Massachusetts, where she lived before she came to Vermont, she never met anyone with more than one job. And even though she herself is no longer working three jobs, she's been wondering about other Vermonters who are. I think more broadly, a lot of people are combining jobs because they want to stay in Vermont. I think of people who either stayed here after college or came up to ski and end up staying I think that that was the necessity to mix and match jobs. (laughs) I mean, I think all three parts of the question are are pretty interesting. And the combinations of jobs and how they work, how how people make it work, and, and the why. So for the why part of Susan's question, why do so many Vermonters have three jobs? It seems like the easiest answer has to do with cost of living. Out of the 50 states, our state ranks 45th. For affordability. This is according to U.S. News and World Report. And according to the Tax Foundation, we have the 16th highest state and local tax rates in 2017. It's expensive to live here. But then when you hear about individual people, like Rachel Gregorian, who just loves the variety of three jobs, you realize there's no one-size-fits-all answer because everyone's in a different situation. Hi, I saw online about the... Um Vermonters working multiple jobs question, and I wanted to answer that. 
My name is Trish Denton. Hi, my name is Bill Belmonte. Elaine Steele. Dustin Tanner. My name's Samantha. I live in the Madurer Valley. I'm from Fairfield, Vermont. I'm a single mother with two daughters living in Hardwick, Vermont. I live in Rutland, Vermont, and I work three jobs. I'm calling from Burlington, Vermont, regarding the three jobs that I work. We put a call out to Vermonters who are working multiple jobs and asked them to get in touch with us and share their stories. And we heard such a range of experiences. I am a part-time chef, a part-time teacher, and I also clean office buildings part-time. I'm a paraeducator at Rutland High School. And after school, I'm a three-season sport coach at Rutland High School. That's job number two. I've only been living here for four months, but I'm currently working eight jobs. Arts educator, a stage director, and a waitress. I currently work in two I, uh, two schools. I um, don't get full-time work between the two schools, so I'm currently looking for a third job. I also waitress and bartend at two different Mad River Valley restaurants. And my third job is a retail facility. I do all types of work for them in the summer and during school break. And I freelance. And on the weekends, I do all their cleaning. Um, also a single parent. I am one among many, many, many working mothers who are the sole support for their families. Um, I have a master's degree and it's very difficult to find work in the arts in Vermont. I am the quintessential overworked, under-resourced, and deeply in debt Vermonter. My husband works full-time even though we have all these jobs. We're not able to save much, but we are getting by. No health insurance, no paid vacation, no paid sick days, no pension. Spending a lot on gas, driving around to all of these jobs. I actually owe more on my student loans than I owe on my house. I'm not making ends meet. Nobody really is making ends meet for state anymore. And requesting time off from three jobs can be complicated. If there's one thing that would make a difference in my life right now, it would be the enforcement of child support. So that's my story. You're welcome to put that information wherever you'd like. Give me a call if you want to talk. Bye. We wanted to dig deeper into some of these stories, especially to explore the other part of Susan's question about how people working three jobs make it work. So we spent time with three Vermonters from different parts of the state and different walks of life. The first person we're going to hear from is named Beth. And Beth has had a lot of different jobs. I have been a nanny, a private duty care provider. I've been an LNA. I've been a cashier. I've been a bartender. A scanner. um, Stuffing envelopes. Retail clothing stores. Bank teller. I've done cash office. I was a dispatcher for nine months. I did Medicaid, um, billing for Medicaid. I worked in a butcher house, Um, a slaughterhouse. That's pretty much it, I think. You've never been a waitress? Oh, I have at Friendly's. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Beth talked to Erica Heilman, who hosts the podcast Rumble Strip. If you haven't heard it, you should definitely check it out. It features moving conversations with Vermonters about life and death and art and childhood and also money. Here's Erica. Beth is from the town of Orange, And right now she's got four jobs, some of them under the table, which is why we're only going to use her first name. She's 38 and says she's had multiple jobs ever since graduating from high school. Before I had kids, I was working almost around the clock. I was doing 
I had two private duty jobs. I had a nanny job and just anything else to fill my time. And did you like your life then? I loved it. I had so much money. I didn't have any time to spend it, but it was really good money and I loved my jobs. It was crazy money. I was loving life. It was crazy money, partly because Beth was working around the clock. She had day jobs and overnight jobs and all of them hourly pay and none with benefits. Even through her first pregnancy, Beth worked full-time at multiple jobs as a private-duty home health care nurse and as a pharmacy tech. And after her daughter was born, she went back to work. And then came twins. And the twins got sick. They were very healthy when they were born, but then both twins got really, really sick with RSV and pneumonia, and they were on life support for 10 days. Um, oh, it gives me goosebumps. So I wasn't able to work. I wasn't able to return um, because I had been out for so long. I mean, we're talking almost a month and a half now. What about money during that time? It was very tight. Um, Drained my savings. Um, My parents helped a lot. All of the jobs that were under the table, I mean, it's great when your paycheck comes in, but when somebody gets sick in your family and you need to take time off, you have nothing. Nothing at all. (laughs) The twins got better, and Beth is now a single mom of three, working off and on for an insurance company in central Vermont. It's better money, a little more than minimum wage, but it's never quite enough hours to make ends meet and never enough to save. We moved back into my parents' house. So me and my three kids and two cats are living in my parents' basement right now. I'm working multiple jobs. I've got four jobs on the table now, but we still cannot make ends meet. Um, You know, 40 hours a week at this insurance company for a little bit over minimum wage isn't a whole lot. I mean, I've got an SUV. It costs $60 a week in gas just to get back and forth to this one job. From there, one of my jobs is strictly learning. Um, in order to make money at it later? Advance in the career, yeah. Can you say what that is? It's phlebotomy. You have to have, I think it's 700 hours for a year, and then you can get certified through the international, I don't remember what it's called. The international phlebotomy people? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about the other job? There's another job. There is um, a little bit of private duty on the side, which is maybe $50 a week. It's not much because the lady can't afford much. And once a month I do DNA testing, paternity testing. At all of these different jobs, how much money are you making a month? Probably $1,100 is my take home for a month. And how much would you say your life costs? A lot more than $1,100 a month. (laughs) Three kids, three growing kids who eat a lot. (laughs) And it's expensive to eat healthy. Like it's, it's a lot cheaper to buy a two liter bottle of soda than it is to buy a gallon of milk. And it's cheaper to buy McDonald's than it is to buy, you know, all the stuff you need for a salad. I mean, we get a little bit in food stamps, but it just, it doesn't cut it. But you make it work. You have to. And it helps to know farmers. There's a farm here in Barrie that loves to barter. On their end, they'll give 
fruits and vegetables and in exchange for work. How did you learn to do that? I asked. Who'd you ask? Uh, the farmer. I saw him out in the field one day and driving his tractor, digging up potatoes with his little potato pick, whatever you call it. So I parked my car and I ran across this field to the farmer and I said, what do I have to do to get some of these potatoes to feed my family for tonight? And he made me dig potatoes for, well, he asked me to dig potatoes for an hour and he would give me one of the bags that I filled. So I got 50 pounds of potatoes for an hour's worth of work. It was a pretty good deal. In my head, our future looks like a big, beautiful house in the country with the white picket fence and the dog and the kids and everybody's happy. But in reality, I really don't see much changing. I mean, every single penny we have, we have to spend. We don't have a choice. We need gas in the car. We need food on the table. You know, when I get a little bit extra, it seems like something happens, like the car needs repairs right away. Or, you know, my kid ripped his coat and it's unrepairable. And so I need to buy a new coat. That's not a huge expense, but when you are rolling pennies for gas, it is a very large expense. We don't have room for error. The question from the, from the listener was, why do so many Vermonters have three jobs? How would you answer her directly? We have three jobs because we got to make ends meet somewhere. There's not many jobs out there that will offer you 40 hours a week plus benefits and you know all the other good stuff that come with a good paying job. When you grew up, or maybe, maybe you're too young for this, but when I grew up, that was the world that I grew up in. Absolutely. My parents both worked 40 hours a week, and that was it. They were home by 4 o'clock every night. They left at 7, they were home by 4. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's not, you run home from one job, you get the kids fed, and then you're off to another job. That's not how it should be. You should be able to read a bedtime story to your kids, brush your teeth with them. I know that's ridiculous, but... Those are things that you treasure when you are in and out the door all day long. You see your kids just in passing. It's hard. Erica Heilman. So we got a lot of phone calls and emails when we were working on this episode, including a 900-word email from Joshua Farr of Brattleboro. He'd seen our call out on social media, and he wrote in, quote, It was as if you had hand-addressed the request directly in my name. Josh has three jobs and lots of thoughts about them. So Liam Elder Connors went to meet him. Here's Liam with our next profile. Josh Farr's a young guy, 29 years old, originally from Maine. He studied photography at the New Hampshire Institute of Art. After he graduated in 2011, he was scouring Craigslist for jobs. And I just stumbled upon this ad for a gallery manager at this nonprofit photography gallery in downtown Brattleboro. And I was like, oh my God, somebody who works remotely in the field that they studied, like how exciting would that be? To his surprise, Josh got the job. He was going to be the executive director at the Vermont Center for Photography. I mean, I'd never worked in arts management, non, let alone nonprofit management. I admittedly didn't really know at that time the extent of what the job meant. 
turns out, the job meant a lot of different things. It's really just me, myself, and I doing everything from hanging the exhibits to painting the walls to organizing fundraising and annual appeals and managing the darkroom and doing digital printing and scanning The thing about this job is that it's only part-time. I'm doing like three full-time jobs in one part-time job. I have to accept a certain amount of fact that it's that it's a labor of love and that I'm putting in, you know, a lot more time on my own dime that I that I do because I want to and because I love to. But pretty quickly, almost immediately, I knew it was a part-time job. I knew it was 20 hours a week and I knew I needed another job. So we found some side gigs, making bagels, working at the co-op, cleaning a bank, which was uh, surprisingly sort of meditative and, and like my own little world. I could just go in and... <laughs> Eventually, Josh found a part-time job doing web and graphic design for another artist in town. And it was a great job. He even got to do some photography. Plus, the office was close to the New England Center for Circus Arts. Through that proximity, I was also introduced to and took about a year and a half's worth of, of sort of professional clowning classes. Wait, no, you, you wait, really? I'm also a clown. I'm just going to sprinkle that on top of everything. So that's how it goes in Brattleboro. Okay, so not counting clowning, it's really more of a hobby. Josh had two part-time jobs. And for a while, that was fine. You know, it doesn't take long to realize that, hey, my bank account doesn't have quite as much in there as I need. And my gosh, those bills just keep coming in. So... He got a third job working at the Brattleboro Museum and Arts Center. They sort of just have me tucked in their quiver as a everything man. Mostly lately it's been assisting with installation and, and delivery and pickup of artwork from galleries. Josh admits he's not great at budgeting. He just spends money when he needs to, until there's a perfect storm of expenses. And it only takes one $500 car repair to all of a sudden make me realize that I can't pay my next bill on time or, or that, you know, and I get in this sort of frantic whirlwind where I sit down and I'll sketch out every single expense and every single income and, and try to make it work for that, you know, just to get through that week or that month. He says he's pulling it off, working long hours, paying bills, spending time with his girlfriend, watching their two dogs. But he says he can get really stressed out. I, don't, I, I sort of stopped counting burnouts after the first dozen or so, I guess. But I, every time I have what I think of as a burnout, I, I, I think, wow, that's got to be the worst it'll ever get. And then, and then it gets worse, and then it gets worse. When there's a certain level of residual stress, it becomes your normal. And despite the stress and the burnouts, Josh says he loves his work. All three of his jobs connect him to the art community in Brattleboro. But that doesn't mean he wants to stay with these three jobs forever. I can play this piecing together puzzle game for X more years, but I don't know if I could do it for the rest of my life. Do you hope one day to have just one job that, that you love? Oh, God, I am so jealous of some of my friends who have like a 9 to 5, Monday through Wednesday, predictable, with benefits, paid vacation, health insurance job. I've never had health insurance with a job before. <laughs> I've never had benefits. And I know that if I had that and I lived that for several years, I'd probably, I could very well ask to undo that and go back to where I am now. Josh says he'd like to stay in Brattleboro, and he wishes he could be more certain about settling down there. 
He says if he could make his job at the Vermont Center for Photography full-time, he would. You know, it's always been a dream of mine to make this into a full-time job that I could that would support me indefinitely. I mean, one of my biggest challenges about thinking about staying in Brattleboro and starting a family in Brattleboro is whether or not there's the financial circumstances to support me indefinitely. If you were to ask me what I thought the next five or ten years looked like, of course there's the, the, the high potential of children, of, of buying a home, of picking that place where you're going to raise your family, and then, of course, just, you know, landing that dream job. Liam Elder Connors. If Josh Farr is at the front end of his career, the next Vermonter we're going to meet is in his prime earning years. Except his earnings aren't so prime, thanks to the Great Recession, which affected so many people and jobs starting about a decade ago. Lynn McRae has our third and final profile of a man named Bill Belmonte. If you told me, okay, 10 years from now, you're going to be working as a paraeducator, coaching three sports a year, and on weekends, working in a facility, doing maintenance. I would have said, no, no, I don't know what you're thinking, you know. But that's what happened. Bill lives in Rutland, and his working life has had two very distinct chapters. He got his first job just out of college in 1984 at Killington Ski Resort. And for the next 23 years, Bill says he worked his way into upper management and made a great salary. Life was good. Traveling and skiing and and having time off. um, Bought things without thinking twice and stuff like that. I was a lot more charitable. Then the resort changed ownership. And in 2007, there were layoffs. When I got let go, uh, my job up at Killington, I remember that day, it was a terrible day. People just walking around filling boxes. People that didn't lose the job, they were actually more upset. Over the course of the next few years, Bill found and then was laid off from three different jobs. You know, going on a job interview when you haven't been on a job interview in 23 years, oh my God. There's no perspiration that any person that works on days like that. I was never so nervous. And, you know, and you're older. You just lost a job, and you know in the back of their mind is, hmm, why did they get rid of this guy and kept the other ones? Keep in mind, the Great Recession was now in full swing. And Bill didn't know it at the time, but he was one of those people who would never quite get back to where he'd been. Sent out over 100 resumes and heard back from maybe 10. That was scary. That was scary. One of the jobs Bill got during these years was managing a temp agency in Rutland. He just would go out and try to make sales and find business that day, and, you know, there was just nothing out there. It reminded me of Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman when he just, you know, just couldn't sell anything. At one point, Bill says he actually had to lay off other workers. And everybody was in the same boat, but nobody wanted to admit it. We all wanted to say, no, no, we'll, we'll get through it, we'll find a way. Bill himself was eventually laid off from that job. He says one thing he learned during those years is the real meaning of resilience. Got really good at being the new guy, you know, and when, if you ever want to be humbled again, go get a new job and be be there in the first day, and, and, you know, when you've got people half your age that are now your supervisors. 
And at some point, Bill realized he was going to need to reinvent himself. So he put his degree in education to use, and starting five years ago, he became a full-time paraeducator at Rutland High School. He also channeled his love of skiing and running into a second job. He coaches after-school sports. Between these two jobs, Bill is at school from 7 a.m. until about 5.30 when practice ends. On days when there's an out-of-town race, it's even later. It's a lot of fun, um, but getting off a bus at 9 o'clock at night and waiting for that last kid to get picked up and then going home and uh, saying hi to your wife and cat who have been sleeping for a little while, and then you're back here at 7 the next day. It's, um, it's, it's fine. It's fine, maybe, because Bill says he loves his jobs working with kids, but he makes a lot less than when he was back at Killington. Oh, I make half of what I used to make right now. Actually, a little less than half. And that's what prompted Bill to pick up a third job. This third job is on Saturdays. Bill does cleaning and maintenance at a local retail outlet. The first two jobs I do to make ends meet, and the third job I do to so I can start to put money away for who knows what oil's going to cost, and I've got a 12-year-old truck, and our house hasn't had the attention I wish it could have had the last few years. So this is the second chapter of Bill's work life. Three jobs for a lot less money, working a lot more hours. Pretty dramatic turn from chapter one. I used to be fun. (laughs) I used to have a lot of activities that I do, but, you know, now there's certain things that I can't justify paying for. Um, Fortunate that I did a lot of fun things when I was younger. At my age, I'm 55. Um, you, you get pretty tired. You get pretty tired. What's fortunate is the physical fitness um, that I do after school is really helpful. That really keeps me, my head clear. My wife and I had been, been together for almost 31 years, and so thank God for her. This is part of how Bill makes his three jobs work. He keeps a positive attitude. Remember that he coaches high school sports, and listening to him talk, it's almost like he's coaching himself. It's made you have to... Appreciate what you have and not dwell on what you don't have anymore. And try to look at it in a way that, hey, I didn't lose those jobs. I found other ones, you know. Bought a passport last year. I'd never had a passport, and I got a passport. And um, some people said, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I said, but I got a passport now. And if I win the lottery or something comes down, I'm ready, you know. So buying that was kind of a way to say, don't lose hope, you know. to be some part of you that's saying, I never thought I'd be here working this much at 55. No, I do. And sometimes I feel like I'm a failure. You know, it's like, what did I do? You know, but you look at all the other people that are in the same boat or worse, and they didn't do anything wrong. It's just, it happened to a lot of people. I'm still not over the fact that the people that caused Wall Street to collapse are making more money than they know what to do with right now. They got away with it. You know, and then you see schools closing and police departments cutting back, and it's you know it's just like, well, wait a minute, you know. And while a lot of people never got affected by it, they stayed in the same job, and a lot of people are doing fine right now. Um, a lot of people aren't. Lynn McRae. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to the show this month and all the months of this year. We've tackled some amazing questions in 2017, and that is completely thanks to you, our beloved audience. If you've never submitted a question or voted in a voting round, make it a New Year's resolution to head to bravelittlestate.org. Then come hang out with us on Twitter and Instagram at BraveStateVT. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund and from Big Picture Farm and from VPR members. If you like this show, consider becoming one. Editing this month by Lynn McRae, Henry Epp, and me. We have engineering support from Chris Albertine, and our theme music is by Ty Gibbons. Other music in this episode by Poddington Bear, and Vermont musicians Mike D'Onofrio, Brian Clark, and Marie-Hélène Boulanger. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back next month, and until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.